turning in our Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians again. The book of 1 Corinthians, please, and we're turning to the chapter 3, the chapter 3 and the verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and the verse 10. I'd like to speak to you this evening under the title, Building for Eternity. Building for eternity and as you look that up um, I had the blessing last night of uh, being in Ballymena Baptist uh, where Dr. Steve Lawson uh, was ministering and if you get the opportunity or if you have the means of listening to his ministry could I encourage you to do that it was a blessing to be there he spoke on Isaiah and chapter 6 and he spoke on the holiness of God and his ministry was outstanding and it was a real blessing to be there and to listen to him. Of course, to the God be the glory in him. He himself would say that. Uh, but his ministry was a blessing to my heart. And if you get that opportunity, go and listen. It's really worth your time. First uh, Corinthians chapter 3 and the verse number 10. According to the grace of God... Which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, Precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burdened, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. These verses that we have read together this evening turn our focus to our ministry as God's people. This passage is all about serving God. It's all about every one of us being on site, if you like, on the building site, on the construction site of progress of the Saviour's church. And so as we think about these verses tonight, I want you to think about your life. And I want you to, what I want you to do is I want you to place yourself in the, in the place of a builder and to think of this illustration and to ask yourself, what is your contribution in the building up of the local church fellowship here at Grange Baptist to the Church of Christ in our province and also in our world, I don't know about you, but any time I pass a building site, you see all the different types of builders, don't you? You see those hard-working and maybe experienced builders, and often you'll sometimes see a younger guy there behind the experienced builder, keen to learn from the experience of the older builder, both working hard in the project, both working hard to get the task complete. But then also you see the lazy ones, especially those ones that close the roads. I don't know what they're doing half the time. 
And you know, you're looking and they're seen to be doing nothing at all. Maybe they're twiddling their thumbs, doing a few things, looking like they're maybe doing something. And then, of course, you get the ones that aren't trying to look like they're doing something. And really, they're doing nothing at all. And then these verses that we've read together, they, they liken God's work to a building site. And if you're saved, if you're a child of God, you're on that building site, whether you like it or not. And the question must be asked, are you working hard to build for God or are you just coasting through? You know, at the height of the Roman Empire across their many cities, there would have been a series of temples which could be seen dotted across the skyline. And these temples would have been magnificent pieces of architecture and would have been built on the tops of hills and at high points in these great cities and they were certainly some of the greatest sights that you could see when you visited the Roman Empire and the cities within the Roman Empire. And of course, the city of Corinth would have been no different. And of course, the, the city of Corinth, the church in the city of Corinth, the Paul is addressing this letter too. And there, were, and there in Corinth, there was the great temple to the mythological god, Apollo. Uh, it was there, the temple of Apollo, and... This was a, a signature landmark in the city of Corinth. There were many other temples too, built for other Greek deities. And these were beautiful buildings, built in such a way to attract the people who lived around the city to come in through the walls of the city to come and worship these gods. Also, there would have attracted in travelers or tourists who would have traveled to come and see these magnificent pieces of architecture. There was the worship of the Greek gods, but there was also the worship of the state, uh, the, the, the empire. Uh, there would have been a temple, there was the temple of, of, of Octavia in Corinth. And that was dedicated, a temple that was dedicated to worship of the daughter of Caesar Augustus. And then there was also the, the biggest site in Corinth. It uh, would have been a temple that sat at the top of the hill. And it was the temple of Aphrodite, who was the goddess of love. And it wouldn't take too much time to figure out that in this temple all sorts of immorality happened. And that was the most prominent landmark in Corinth. Now built into the architecture of all these temples would have been gold and silver and precious stones. And such precious metals and costly jewels were put into these temples to attract worshippers and to assign value to the temples and what took place in those temples. Now, why do I tell you all this? Well, at times when you read the history in the ancient world, fires would have broken out in these cities. And these fires would have had devastating effects. In fact, in the year 64 AD, Rome was devastated by a fire and actually they tried to blame the Christians for starting that particular fire. A very interesting read. It wasn't the Christians who started it at all, but they tried to blame the Christians. That's a time in church history. We're not dealing with that tonight. But in these deadly fires, everything that was combustible would burn down to the ground. And all that would be left of the temple would be the stone foundation the marble columns and the gold and silver inlays and the precious stones that had been embedded into the building, that would all be left. But all the wood 
And all this stubble and all the different materials which were flammable, they would go up and smoke and only the things that didn't burn were left. And it's in that context that the Apostle Paul writes the words of these verses that are before us this evening. Paul draws on the cultural backdrop that there is in Corinth and Paul uses this to communicate the pure truth of God's revelation to his church. And so with the culture in Corinth as his canvas, Paul now begins to paint a picture of what it looks like to be used by God, what it looks like to be used by God for eternity and to be used by God for eternal things and what it means to be used by God in doing spiritual things, to be used by God in building up the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in his imagery, Paul compares the church to a temple. I didn't read verses 16 and 17 this evening, but in these two verses, the church is compared to the temple of God. And that's the building that's being imagined in these verses that we're considering this evening. Paul in verse 10 describes himself and other pastors and church leaders as construction managers, I suppose. He uses that word master builder, and I think it's just meaning like a construction manager. And then all other believers are seen as workers in that project. The foundation is the gospel of Christ. The materials refer to the manner in which the ministry is carried out. Then Paul speaks about a final day when there will be fire, a fire of divine judgment for God's people, when God will test and expose the individual quality of every single worker on this building site of the church. And so with these verses, there's both encouragement as well as challenge. And they speak to every one of us here this evening and it leads us to ask, how is my life used for the Lord Jesus Christ? What is my service like for the Lord Jesus Christ? And now all that by way of introduction. Let's deal with the text that's before us this evening and, let, and let's allow God's word to speak to our hearts. I want you to see, first of all, the builders. I want you to see the builders. Look at verse 10. It says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Let's look at this first phrase. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me. God has given grace to Paul. He has given grace to Apollos. He's given grace to all the church leadership in those days. He's given grace to the church members at the, in Corinth. And this grace has been given to every person who's placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour from sin. Now the grace that's referred to here in this verse isn't necessarily saving grace, but it's a result of saving grace. The grace that's referred to here is a grace that allows us to serve God. It's a serving grace. In other words, it is God who enables us to do the tasks that we do in his kingdom work. Don't you think that when you're doing something in the church that you're doing God a favour? God has given each of us skills and abilities, and by his grace, he has given us, he has given us those abilities in order that we might serve him. In other words, we're all saved. 
to serve. And it's God who empowers. And it's God who enables us. And it's God who equips us by his grace to be able to serve him in his kingdom. And Paul makes it clear here that it's by God's grace that we've been given different abilities and we've been given different tasks to do. Well, by God's grace, what task had Paul been given? We'll look at the verse again. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. The task given to Paul was that of a wise master builder and he had laid the foundation. Paul introduces himself in this section as a master builder. He was the foundation man, if you like. And in verse 11 we read, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now when you hear Paul speaking of himself as the master builder, well I must confess even myself in the study I had to scratch my head. Because surely the master builder is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in one sense that's true. But Paul in verse 10 actually calls himself the master builder. And in this sense he is an apostle. And by the grace of God he's an apostle. And Paul had a unique ministry in laying the foundation of the church. The early church. And here in Corinth specifically he laid down the foundation of apostolic, apostolic Christianity. In other words he was the one that arrived with the gospel of Christ. He arrived in Corinth. With no church, he went in, he taught the gospel, people were saved, he planted a church and he taught them the simple doctrines of the faith. And he was the one who went in and laid the foundation of the gospel, which is Jesus Christ. The ministry given to Paul was to plant churches and to lay a foundation. In fact, you know, he wrote in Romans that he didn't go to certain places because he said, I didn't want to build over someone else's foundation. He strictly wanted to go where Christ hadn't been named. And there he would win people to Christ. He would teach basic doctrine. He would establish a foundation on Christ. And in Corinth, when he went there, these people to whom he's writing, he stayed for 18 months. And then off he went. If, in the church in Ephesus, he stayed for three years. And then off he went. Thessalonica, he stayed for less than a month because the Spirit of God did a much faster work there. But everywhere he went, in all the varying places, he laid the foundation. That was the job that God had given to Paul in his grace. Now, Paul, he's not boasting here. You'd be tempted to look at it and say, as he says, for he says, according to the grace of God, which is given to me, I'm a wise master builder. That's not quite what he's doing. He's not boasting. He says, I did this job only because God was gracious enough to commit that ministry to me. That's all. I don't claim anything, says Paul. And when you look at the context of what Paul says and to other churches, Romans 15, he says, I will not speak of anything which Christ has not wrought. Earlier in this passage, he says, who is Paul? Verse 5, who is Apollos? I'm the one that planted. Verse 6, verse 7, neither is he that planted anything. I am nothing. If, I, if I've done anything, it's because Christ wrought it in me. And Paul in other places said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And Paul says, I came as an evangelist, I preached the gospel, laid the foundation of the church, which is Christ the solid rock, and now as a church, you are obliged to build. 
You are obliged by God's grace to get involved in his work using the skills and talents and abilities that God has given to you in his grace. So we need to deal with something tonight. We need to banish the thought that there is any Christian, any Christian existence that means you're saved and you do nothing for Christ. There's no such thing as that. I'm not saying that you can, can't be saved and be static. You can be saved and be static. All right, that's what Paul's dealing with. Remember, we're dealing with carnal Christians. That's who he's speaking to. We thought about that last week. Christians who weren't living the way they should have. Christians who were living in an immature way. And they were, some of them were static. And that's why Paul is writing to them. But what I'm saying is God in his grace has given you a task that you need to perform for him. And God wants you to be a labourer, a faithful builder in his work. You know, as I listened to the building committee the other evening talking about the process of building our new entrance, it was clear that there's different people needed to do different jobs. There will be builders who will come and dig the foundations. There will be others who will have the ability to do steel work. There will be electricians needed and different people with specialist jobs. All these different jobs, all working in the same building, but all with different skills to bring it all to completion. And God has given us as a church different gifts and abilities that I don't have. That's why Caroline never asks me to bake a cake for the church suppers. That doesn't bother me because I can't bake. But praise God, God, he has given wonderful abilities to some in this church to put on a wonderful supper, to some musical ability, to some ability to hold a conversation and to encourage others, others the gift of listening, to others the gift of teaching. And the list goes on. And every task that you do, God and his grace has given you the ability to do it. So let's move away from thinking that this spiritual building work is primarily as well for Christian workers and professional Christian servants like missionaries and pastors and evangelists and teachers and people that are on the payroll of some kind. That's got nothing to do with this verse. There's some people speak about this verse being about that. It's not. Absolutely not. In the general sense... What Paul is saying, every believer has a responsibility to build on this foundation. And the Spirit of God, through Scripture, says just this evening, Therefore, therefore, take heed how you build thereon. What a challenge. Take heed. How do you use your gifts and talents that God has given Can I ask you, are you building for God? Are you careful about how you're building for God? How careful are you? Are you careless sometimes? Do you give any fact to the thought that you're creating a building to the glory of God by the service that you give to him, or at least you're meant to be building? One day that building is going to be scrutinized and it's going to be analyzed by the Son of God. And your life building will come under the wrath of his fire. And all that is wood, hay and stubble will be burnt away. If you're not building, it's because you're not living in light of eternity. And if you're not, it's because you're not living in light of the judgment seat. Let every man take heed how he buildeth their own.
We must move on. The builders, the foundation. Now we've touched on this already. Look at verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay uh, than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now this is very important in the days that we live, and I'll tell you why. Because there's little churches, new churches rising up here and there. There's nothing new under the sun, the prophet says, but these churches seem to have a new idea, some of them. There's churches across our globe as well, mega churches, and I hear lots of people of all ages attracted to their music. And they're preaching a different Christ to the one that I read about in my Bible. And they're building on a different foundation. And if anybody springs up and says, I've discovered something new about Jesus Christ, or I've discovered a new message, or a new revelation about Jesus Christ, they're laying down a foundation that is opposed to the foundation that the master builder has already laid down, which cannot be laid again. That's so important. You know, in our own circles we can err on this side too. Because many evangelical churches are built on the reputation of a famous preacher or maybe even a special method of evangelizing or teaching people or maybe even a doctrinal scheme or a prophetical scheme or a scheme to do with salvation and the way you understand salvation. And we, all these things are important in order to understand the word of God. They are important. But let's not forget that the church is not built on these things. It's not built in personalities. It's built on Christ. And that's why the Corinthians need to hear this. Because they're building on personalities. It's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. It's not about Cephas. It's about the foundation that they're building on. And Jesus Christ is that foundation. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. That is key. And if you're laying in another foundation, you're building a church contrary to the church of Jesus Christ and to the will of God. But let me take it a step further to you, for you as individual believers. This passage teaches us that you can stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Yes, you can. And the day and hour you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour, you stood in the solid rock and you'll never move from that rock. But the question is, have you been building? And the question is, are you even building? You see, you can be saved, you can be redeemed, you can be safe for all eternity, rescued, redeemed from the fires of hell, standing on the promises of Christ your King through eternal ages, let his praises sing. But your building could be derelict. Maybe you started working it years ago and you were working well. You were doing great things for the Lord, but something happened and you were discouraged. Something happened and you just threw the towel in. The building's derelict tonight. Maybe some repair work needs to start tonight. Maybe you need to start working on your building in light of eternity. And in light of judgment tonight. There are the builders. We see the foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ, but then comes the materials. Verse 12. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. 
there's two classes of materials there. The first class, precious stones, precious metal, things of this earth that, and then the other class are things of this earth that are worth nothing. And Paul says we need to build with one and not build with the other. Paul says if you build with with the other, these these things like wood, hand, stubble, well, they're going to be burnt up on the judgment day of Christ when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the bema. What Paul is saying is that it's impossible to have a life that's well-founded in Jesus Christ and then to badly build. He says you need to take heed about how you build. You need to be careful with what materials you're going to build with. And here's the point that Paul is making. As a believer, now remember he's talking at the start of the passage to carnal Christians and spiritual Christians. As a believer, you have a choice in what materials you're going to build with. Now this is for believers. This is for Christian people. You have a choice what materials you're going to build with. So what do these materials represent? Well, we're not, we're not told really what they represent, but certainly we can say this much. Gold, silver, and precious stones are imperishable objects. And if you go to the wood and the hay and the stubble, well, they're the opposite. They're perishable, and in fire, they're going to burn. Now, for imperishable objects like gold, silver, and precious stones, you have to go down under the surface of the earth to get them. You have to dig deep, don't you? There's no easy access for these things. There's no quick fix to getting gold and silver and precious stones. You have to hunt them out. You have to dig deep. You have to dig up the ground. And then you have to dig up the gold and the silver and the precious stones. And they have to be heated. And they have to be melted and refined. And then that's what makes them become valuable. They're costly. They're expensive, but they're also durable and non-combustible when they go through the fire. They can't be manufactured by a man. There's something out of this world, if you like. Something that's out of this world that you and I could never create. Gold, silver, precious stones. But then you come to the perishable objects like wood and hay and stubble. Those are things that are found in the surface of the earth, aren't they? Things that are easy to find. uh, There's plenty of them. They're close at hand. They can be gained with minimum labor. They're common. They're cheap. They're ordinary. They can even be ugly to look upon. And they can be very easy set on fire. If you like, they're products of nature as we know it. And we see it. Do you see what Paul is saying in the depth of his teaching here? If you really want something spiritual that will withstand the judgment of Jesus Christ upon believers at the Bema, you need to dig deep in your spiritual life. You need to to search the scriptures and get to know Christ more and draw closer to his glory and draw closer to him. And you need to dig deep. And it means that you're going to go through tough times in your spiritual life. But it means that you're not getting the taste of what's on the surface because through the trials of this life, as you lean upon him, he will draw you ever closer. It's not easy. It's not an easy road. 
But you have to hunt these things out. You have to dig up the sin in your life. You, you have to go through the furnace. You have to go through the smelting pot. You have to be refined. And it will be costly for you. And it will be expensive. But it will stand on the judgment day. The choice is yours. Paul is saying the best things are not always the easiest to acquire. They'll cost you. And you'll have to labour for them. And you'll have to sacrifice for them. You'll have to pass through the fires of purification and refinement to get them. But on the other hand, those most common things, they're never the best. And they'll perish. They cost so little. No trouble to get. You weave them together. You can paint them to make them look attractive and the wee patterns and you can polish them, those, that wood, with, and to make it a lovely bright surface with the paint. And he, he, but when it comes to the final test, God will destroy those products. You know, we'll need to really pick up the rest of this next week because we're running out of time. But let me say this. And we'll leave you in this point this week. There's, there's something important that you need to see. Wood, hay and stubble aren't necessarily evil things. They aren't giving your best, but, but they're certainly building materials that, that we can build on the foundation. And what may be stubble for one person could be gold for another. Because it's to do with your attitude towards what you do, not necessarily what you're doing. You see, you're building in three areas. I want you to note this. Number one, the number one area is motive. First Corinthians 4 verse 5, we'll think of that at a later study, but this is what it says there. It speaks of how God's going to make the hidden things of our heart manifest. So God is going to judge you on your motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? And some of your motives and the things that you do may be wood, hay and stubble, but someone could be doing the same task with the right motive for glorifying God, and that's gold, silver and precious stones. And when I do something totally and supremely for the glory of God, well, that's gold. That's a motive that's pure. And it's going to make the hidden things of my heart known. And God wants to know your motive and Dear believer, God sees your motive. No one else may see your motive. But God does. And you may do something that looks like gold to please man. But if your heart's motive is stubble, it disqualifies it. So first of all, when you come to the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ, the first building, the, the first building area that God will look at will have been your motive in how you build. Secondly, your conduct. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 we will be judged for the things done in the body. The things we've done physically, the way we live our life, the day-to-day -day conduct of our lives is either wood, hay and stubble or silver or gold, silver and precious stone. Do we behave in a way that honours God? Are you honest in business? Do you control your temper? Are you an example of Christ-likeness to your family, to your friends, to your work college, co colleagues, to, to a world lost in sin? 
God will judge us on our motive. God will judge us on our conduct. Finally, God will judge us on our service, our ministry, the use of the spiritual gifts and abilities he's given to us. You can use those abilities anywhere. But will you use them in the church? Which is the way God wants you to use them. Make sure you're giving to God your absolute best and not the world. If you have the gift of musical ability to play an instrument, don't be, don't be content to sit in the pew and just sing or go out and play your musical instrument all over the place and not play it in the church. That's the point here. God is going to judge you in your motives, your conduct and your service. And you're building today with your motives and you're building today with your conduct and you're building today with your service what kind of building are you building it's important to think about that it's important to think about this with eternity in view to think will it stand on the day of divine judgment or is what i'm doing is it done for man's applause that which is not of God, but of this world. It will go up in smoke. So which materials are you building with? If you're serving for man's applause, you're building with wood, hand, stubble, and it will not stand, it will burn under God's righteousness. But if you're seeking to serve the Lord and please him with your life, and if you're building with gold and silver and precious stones, they will last for eternity. The wonder tonight is this teaching of Paul a revelation to you. Because I feel and fear that there's many who have entered through the narrow gate of salvation and they feel their job is done and they don't realise that on this pilgrimage towards heaven along the narrow way that it's not just a free ticket to heaven when you die but we're, we're meant to be building something for God along the way. We're meant to be doing something for God. We're meant to be building for something that will glorify him. A building of a Obedience founded on a firm foundation of the words of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his salvation. And if you're saved, you're obliged to build. So is your house shabby tonight? Looking a bit grubby. Is it in need of a bit of work? Well, tonight you can start to fix it up. You can turn to the Lord and repent of wasted time, maybe wasted years, when that house has been left to go shopping. Maybe the storms of life have bashed it down a bit. wonder tonight, are you ready to start building for his glory again? Next week in the Lord's hell will, in the Lord's will will, Look at the testing of fire. The testing of this house. But I wonder from here on, dear child of God, <coughs> will you start building for Christ's glory and be seeking to build with that gold, that silver, and those precious stones? Let's pray.
Father, we know that we come before the all-knowing God, the righteous one, the one before whom we will stand one day and give account. And Father, we realize that your righteous, holy eye can see into the depths of our souls. That you know our motives. That you know our character, how we live when no one else is watching. And Father, many of us have to confess that so often we are building with that wood, hay and stubble. At times we don't give our best for you. Father, we repent of that tonight. We ask, O oh God, that indeed that you, that from the challenge of your word tonight and from the conviction of the Spirit of God as we listen to it, we pray that it will weigh so heavy on our hearts. And Father, as we think of that day that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we pray that when our works are tested with the holy fire of God, that, Father, they will stand. Thank you, Father, that later in this passage it tells us that those things which stand, that there will be a reward. And Father, we pray as we think of other imagery that Paul gives us in Scripture that we will run well and will not grow weary and will keep building to the best of our ability. We'll keep serving our Saviour. We'll keep telling people about this wonderful foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ, that will keep proclaiming him as the only Saviour from sin. And Father, we pray that you would ignite this church again. That Father, indeed, that you would come in a mighty way and do a dealing with each of our hearts. That Father, as we even think of that passage in Isaiah, that the holy coal would touch our lips. A burning coal. Father, you would cleanse us again. Father, we thank you for time spent around your word this evening. We pray, Father, that we will reflect on it. That we will go home and meditate on it. And that, Father, indeed, you would do a dealing in our lives this night. We ask this for thy glory. And in the precious name of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.